I'm excited to share with you all that I've contributed a chapter to the newly published Anxiety Relief Handbook. The handbook provides a unique window into 11 highly effective complementary therapies for you to sample on your quest to ease anxiety. The ebook is available on my website, happynurse.com.au forward slash anxiety relief handbook. Connection is the energy that exists between us when we can see, when I can see, hear, and value you, and when you can see, hear, and value me, and when we can give and receive without judgment, and we, we can, when we can get sustenance and joy from the relationship. Welcome to the Happy Nurse Podcast. Nurses are the backbone of healthcare, always there to care for strangers as if they were one of their own, often forsaking special moments with their own family in order to ensure another's loved one is being cared for. As nurses, self-care is essential. I am Elena Mullery, nurse educator and self-care mentor for nurses. I'm an RN with 20 years of clinical experience. I have first-hand experience of stress and burnout. It was this experience which led me to develop a passion for personal development and pursue the study of mindfulness, meditation, hypnotherapy and neuro-linguistic programming. Each episode, I will be promoting self-care strategies to those who always care for others. I have broken self-care down into five aspects mental, emotional, physical, spiritual and indulgence to make it easy to ensure all your self-care needs are being met. Each episode I will interview nurses and self-care gurus from around the world to help you with each aspect of your self-care. Welcome to the Happy Nurse Podcast with Elena Mullery. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of the Happy Nurse Podcast. I'm Elena, as you all know, and today I am joined by the lovely Christina Foxwell. Welcome to the show, Christina. We've got there eventually, as we just said. We've been trying to tee this up for a while now, but it's awesome to have you here. Elena, it is a pleasure, and I am so excited because... As, as Elena said, we've been just tic-tacking each other and our lives have got ahead of us, but we both agreed perfect timing is when it happens. Most definitely. It's all in the timing, isn't it? So it I'll introduce you so the listeners know all about you before we jump into this conversation. So Christina is the founder of Ignite Purpose. Her purpose is to make a difference to one person's life a day. She recognizes that leadership starts within each person and unlocking growth and success is a choice. She has the underlying philosophy that people are central to the success of every organization, which means she is driven to align people and businesses to reach peak performance. Christina is passionate about getting people to realize their potential, thereby creating a solid foundation for organizations to achieve high performance and living a more effective life. Christina is a skilled executive coach and facilitator who's presented programs in Africa, UK, Australia and New Zealand. She focuses on helping leaders. Connection is the energy that exists between us 
when we can see, when I can see, hear, and value you, and when you can see, hear, and value me, and when we can give and receive without judgment, and we can, when we can get sustenance and joy from the relationship. Welcome to the Happy Nurse Podcast. Nurses are the backbone of healthcare, always there to care for strangers as if they were one of their own, often forsaking special moments with their own family in order to ensure another's loved one is being cared for. As nurses, self-care is essential. I am Elena Mullery, nurse educator and self-care mentor for nurses. I'm an RN with 20 years of clinical experience. I have first-hand experience of stress and burnout. It was this experience which led me to develop a passion for personal development and pursue the study of mindfulness, meditation, hypnotherapy and neuro-linguistic programming. Each episode, I will be promoting self-care strategies to those who always care for others. I have broken self-care down into five aspects mental, emotional, physical, spiritual, and indulgence to make it easy to ensure all your self-care needs are being met. Each episode, I will interview nurses and self-care gurus from around the world to help you with each aspect of your self-care. Welcome to the Happy Nurse Podcast with Elena Mullery. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of the Happy Nurse Podcast. I'm Elena, as you all know, and today I am joined by the lovely Christina Foxwell. Welcome to the show, Christina. We've got there eventually, as we just said. We've been trying to tee this up for a while now, but it's awesome to have you here. Elena, it is a pleasure, and I am so excited because... As, as Elena said, we've been just tic-tacking each other and our lives have got ahead of us, but we both agreed perfect timing is when it happens. Most definitely. It's all in the timing, isn't it? So it I'll introduce you so the listeners know all about you before we jump into this conversation. So. Christina is the founder of Ignite Purpose. Her purpose is to make a difference to one person's life a day. She recognizes that leadership starts within each person and unlocking growth and success is a choice. She has the underlying philosophy that people are central to the success of every organization, which means she is driven to align people and businesses to reach peak performance. Christina is passionate about getting people to realize their potential, thereby creating a solid foundation for organizations to achieve high performance and living a more effective life. Christina is a skilled executive coach and facilitator who's presented programs in Africa, UK, Australia and New Zealand. She focuses on helping leaders translate challenges into opportunities recommending solutions and strategies to help drive simplicity in manifesting visions and outcomes. Sustainable change is one of the key focus areas in which she builds partnerships and has supported organisations to achieve change, engage productivity and realise key elements to ensure sustainable culture-forming outcomes. Ooh, that oh. is a mouthful, Elena. <laughs> I know! Well, isn't it awesome? I just love it. I love how you're all about 
changing one person's life a day. What an awesome purpose to have. Well, thank you. When I started this practice, I was so fed up of going into organizations and listening to leaders and recommending education programs. And I worked for some research-based organizations. And then coming back and there was little to no change. And it, it, when I was a leader, it frustrated me. I thought, man, there has to be more to this. And then I went through my journey and I thought, no, one person a day, just one person, if there's any measure, because that one person makes a difference in their world, which means I'm touching more than one. Exactly, yes. That's my passion. But when you read that, I was going, whew, there's so much in there. <laughs> it's awesome. You've achieved so much and you do so much. And, and I love how you encourage people to take responsibility for their own development and their own learning. Because I think it all does come back to us. And it has to start with us as individuals. Always. And I think it frustrates people. I, you know, like you are a nurse. I call myself the open heart surgeon of organizations. <laughs> I love it. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> they don't phone me when the heart is beating. They phone me when the heart is in a dire problem uh, and having a problem, a big problem. And then I've got to get in there and rewire it but I can't do it without the wires going willfully into the place that they should. Yeah, you've got to clear out the blockages that are in those arteries. I tell you, and you know what? If I say it begins and ends with me, I ask every participant in my program at one stage or another to write it down in their reflections journal. It starts and ends with me. Yeah. It's powerful, I think. Yeah, very, that's exactly what I was to say. It's very powerful. And I think once you realize that, it's almost like it gives you back your own power because you realize you can influence. Well, I've got choice. Exactly. And often when we go into that state of overwhelm, we think we don't have choice. And I often say that's when we feel like we're shouting in the wind and no one's hearing. Uh, we are shouting in the wind because no one can hear us because we can't even see the wood for the trees. So everyone just hears this noise, a clanging bell, and they don't know what it's about. And everyone backs away from a really angry person. And that's what happens in overwhelm. We become very reactive and very easily triggered. And We're not yeah. our self. Exactly. And, you know, I think what I've seen is it's not just something that reaches into an organization. I was speaking to an executive today in, in their coaching session and they were saying what they really love about the work. And I was like, really? Because he's a scientist. It's really interesting when scientists and lawyers and you know more technically minded people who are not as open-minded around the creativity kind of get in there. And he said, because the shift it's making in our people's lives is way beyond work. Yeah. And then you know you're making a difference to one person's life. Okay? Yeah, definitely. Because they're taking that home with them. Yes. The change is their own transformation. Yeah, and that ripple effect that it has is beautiful. It is beautiful and it's uncomfortable. Yes, it can be very uncomfortable when you start looking inside and, and digging into the shadows and, and what's hiding in there, but it's worth it. Having done it myself, it's, yeah, it's the best thing that I've ever done probably. 
you know, it's so worth it. And I will say this to you. Before I educated myself, so all of the work I do is part education, part supporting, part growth, because just coaching someone alone without giving them the reflection and their responsibility in their growth and thinking doesn't actually help us go where we need to go. And so I recognized the change I saw in me was when I started learning things and then reflecting on it and going, that is me. I need to fix that. And now you're telling me how I can do it. Yeah. Yeah, I I love when I'm working with clients and I see that happen. I taught my first face-to-face workshop yesterday for, of this year, which was really exciting to be back in the classroom. I was on such a high last night just because I had so much fun, you know, but it was sitting there, well, they were all sitting there and just watching the light bulbs go off, you know, as I was speaking and they were realizing that actually I can change this, you know, as I, as I was offering different tools and strategies so yeah I just love empowering others to be able to make this difference in their lives you know what that's why I do this if you enjoy meditating or you would like to give meditation a try why not head on over to happynurse.com.au forward slash meditation to download my free guided meditation for stress and anxiety relief it's 12 minutes of pure self-care Someone said to me when I started this business, you want an empire build? And I was like, I want a what? And it was because I am, I'm a creator. When I see something, it just kind of moves for me. But I'm doing it from a place of purpose, not from a place of see me, see me. And even doing the social media stuff, I have to tell you, it was one of the most challenging things to put myself out there because I didn't want people to think, now that's how we stay small, right? that yeah she is boasting about stuff and I realized that the only way I'm going to talk about the stuff that's going to make an impact is by getting gritty and that grittiness is going to make some people want to run away but how else do we call out how to recognize and shift I don't know how yeah I was exactly the same when I first started happy nurse and I thought people are just going to think that I'm you know full of my own whatever it is you know I often find it's the posts that you put on that you are the most vulnerable in that get the biggest response. Do you not notice that? Because suddenly people are like, oh my God, she's speaking to me. Oh my God, she's speaking to me. And I will tell you, I push out on different platforms, but it's the same content. Okay. Sometimes I have to tweak it a bit, but it's, it's me. It's not going to change. If I'm in a corporate space, I go and present in a, corp, in a, in a long dress with flat shoes Just like you're seeing me now, I'm no longer the suited up, armored up human. I've got to be vulnerable, right? So you see me like I am across all different platforms. And I often find um, LinkedIn has this wonderful ability to have the corporate lens. And I've got to go there because they are my clients. I promote some of the stuff on Facebook. And the people that respond to it are so like, I mean, I do get one or two that go, this is this is mind-blowing rubbish. And I go, oh, that's painful. I breathe deeply. Um, <laughs> Why is it that's the one we focus on? There are the positives. It's judgment. And judgment yeah. is shame. And shame is what we don't want. And we don't want, we actually don't want to offend anybody. We want everybody to feel loved and empowered like we at our intent. And then when that punch comes, it just kind of hits you in the back. Yeah, it really does. I find the same with yeah the difference between LinkedIn and Facebook too and like that workshop I did yesterday and I'm doing another one next week 
I filled both of them off the back of one post I put on and I never advertised these workshops. It was all just people reaching out to me saying, wow, how can you help? And did you get the majority of people on Facebook or on LinkedIn? Um, it was all Facebook. There we go. Yeah. So yeah, it is, it's, it's different. It depends which audience you're speaking to, doesn't it? It does. And so with my experience, because I spent so many years in consulting, I know how to put the corporate speak on to weave in the language to get people to move. I will say I speak about love. Now, I have to also be honest with you. I spoke at a conference, a health conference in Darwin a year ago, and I spoke about love and I upset quite a few audience members. <laughs> oh, really? Because the activity was to look at the person next to them with great compassion and love. And they found that that simple experience was so confronting because, and this is something we spoke about as we went into the podcast today, I'm taught not to show that part of me. I'm taught to clinically look at you or corporately look at you and get an outcome. Yeah. Um, I'm taught to not feel with you because that means Either I'm going to be unprofessional or I'm going to get so exhausted because I'm carrying everyone's emotional load. So I'm taught to be disconnected. But if I was really taught just to be a supporter and not a fixer, I would be okay to allow that person to fix themselves once I stood next to them. Yeah, there's this phenomenon in the medical world now called compassion fatigue. And I think what you're speaking about is making me, it's making me think of that. And I think that's what it is. We we get so used to shutting down the emotions and we just, we almost switch off from the empathy and the compassion with the patients because we've pushed it down for so long. I'll use an example. I'm not going to name names. <clears throat> I went to see a GP last year and I was, I, I have sinusitis, which is chronic because I grew up in a, um, um, a oil refinery town in Africa. So it got, you know, it's just kind of there. It hangs. Mm. Anyway, I went to see him and I had my gym stuff on and he looked at me and he kind of told me I was slightly overweight, blah, blah, blah. And then made me go for a free, you're 40, over 45. You can now qualify for the free checkup. And I'm thinking, oh God, that's all I need. But that's the actual thing. I come back in my beautiful long dress, my sandals, my hair's done differently. He didn't recognize me. I don't look that different. Because actually the first meeting, he didn't connect with me as a person. Yeah. He connected with me as a patient who was a number versus the person who was looking at him wanting support. Yeah. You know what? I've not been back. I can imagine you haven't. And he was really professional, but he didn't care. And at the end of the day, all we really want as humans is to feel like we're being seen and heard and that human connection. So I understand why you would feel that way, yeah. So shall I give you my favourite quote? Yeah, I'm, I was going to pull out a quote in this interview too, so I'm interested to see what your one is. I'm excited to hear this. So I've taken Dr. Brene Brown's quote on connection and I've added one or two pieces. Are you ready? I'm ready. Connection is the energy that exists between us when we can see, when I can see, hear, and value you, and when you can see, hear, and value me, and when we can give and receive without judgment, 
and we, we can, when we can get sustenance and joy from the relationship. That's beautiful. That's just, well, in my mind, that's like what unconditional love. It's what we all crave, isn't it? And how hard is it really to stand next to someone? Yeah, it's not. But we're so used to judging from our own lens of perception. And we judge as soon as we feel uncomfortable. Yes, we do. And I'm not perfect. I'm a human and I catch myself. Actually, I've caught myself this week because I was asking someone for something. They responded in a very disconnected manner, which because I'm always standing in connection can feel uncomfortable. And then I turned that discomfort into something it didn't need to be. Yeah, because we go into our heads. We do. And that little horrible little, you know, my puffer fish. Yes, yes. He's cute. You need one for you and your children because I've stories right and so this is the puffer fish is the uh, amygdala that goes off and puts me to fight flight and freeze mode and disconnects me from people okay stops me from being fluid in flow and the best of me because i get stuck i can't hear i can see the fins are so tiny i can't swim i'm just bobbing in my own misery (laughs) (laughs) i love how you framed that up though that's awesome <laughs> the puffer fish, yeah. All my clients get a puffer fish when they go on a session with me. That's so cool. And it's that kind of tangible, physical reminder for them too when they see it. It absolutely is. And then sometimes they forget. So I used this analogy with a team today and I said, So when we pop, and one of the people that were in the session is quite intellectual. And struggles to be that creative piece. And he couldn't remember what a pop was. And he goes, what do you mean when we pop? And I was like, oh, Lord, okay. Here we go. All right. So we're a puffer fish. (laughs) And he must have thought, oh, my God. Switch hemispheres, quick. (laughs) It's it's just going to tell the story because it's okay. And I get it. I get we all think differently. But it's a wonderful little analogy to recognize when fear and shame stop me from standing next to someone. Yeah, that's beautiful. I grapple with that kind of fear of judgment and shame as a parent because I, my two boys have both got ADHD, so they require a different style of parenting. Yeah. <laughs> it's just as well I'm so chilled out and I, you know, practice what I preach. But I do often feel the kind of judgment from the other parents at times. And yeah. Well, you know, my son, he kills people with speak. No, he doesn't. He has the most incredible vocabulary. And um, Josh has always been unique, serious. I moved him to Australia and I think he experienced PTSD because my parents took care of him in Africa. And when he came here with me and he was three, it was really traumatic. So that tearing away created a lot of challenge for him, which I didn't realize anyway. Uh, But to your very point, uh, shame in parenting is a tough one. I got judged because he eats weird. And I said to John at one stage, I'm sure he's got scurvy, but I'm not a nurse, so I wouldn't know. He's he's now a beautiful, strapping young man. Yeah, that's the thing. And all you can do, like you said beautifully, is just stand beside them. Now, I want to share something with you. Do you know that as a parent, because of the fear of judgment we get from others, we will carry that shame onto our children. 
Yeah, I have heard that. And I think in the past, I've maybe been a bit guilty of it. I'd like to think I'm better at it now. I remember when they were both, well, the eldest one was diagnosed oh, three or four years ago. And like all, you always hear about ADHD and, you know, the typical, they get labeled as naughty and everything else that goes along with it. And I thought, I don't want, like, he's so innocent, he doesn't realize, I don't want him to buy into that concept of it being something to be ashamed of. So I remember when we told him what had had, like, that he'd been diagnosed, I said, you know, like, you know how mommy, like, I, I'm allergic to shellfish. Like, my best friend, she's a celiac, she can't eat gluten. Like, we've all got something. I says, and your brain's just wired a little bit differently to some other people, and you've got a thing called ADHD, but we've all got something going on, and it's normal. And I tried to frame it like that because I was so aware that I didn't want him to associate it with something he should be ashamed of. Well, my son, because of his anxiety, he has got this toweling towel. It's a baby towel, and it's got Winnie the Pooh on it. He's 16. He still sleeps with his towel. And he said to me, we all have our issues. I like having this thing in bed here with me, that and the cat. And that's my thing. So I don't care, which is quite brave. But you handled that beautifully, Elena. Well, thank you. I just, I was so aware because I know how I felt the shame coming up in me, you know, knowing that this diagnosis was probably coming. And I thought, I cannot project this onto him. I have to try and normalize it as much as possible. He's actually almost proud of his ADHD. <laughs> well, it allows him to understand why he shows up the way he does. Yeah, yeah, totally. And like your son, he has this, he calls it his babu. It's a little square of blanket with ribbons coming off the edge. And he sits and he, he'll rub some of the ribbons and he'll suck on other ones in his bed. He's 12. And um, yeah, he, he, he's go going off tomorrow on, um, on year six camp. And that will be snuck in his bag with him. And he, he will take it with him. We snuck Joshua's telling too. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going as well, actually. I'm being very brave. I'm off on school camp tomorrow, so that'll be fun. You are very brave. <laughs> you are so brave. Um, I said to Josh, would I have made a good teacher? He went, in the past, no. Now, maybe. Because I used to be very, I call it Ninja Barbie. You know. Ninja Barbie. I was Ninja Barbie. Tell me what Ninja Barbie's like. Ninja Barbie is somebody who has gone through such pain and shame in their lives and chooses to rise. But then as they rise, they rise with their armour and they're tough, but they don't feel. And they, they know they're empty. They're super strong. And geez, they achieve amazing things. But they are so lonely, so empty, um, so shamed. They, the shame is that armor they wear, and they give their pain away, and they are tough. So that's what I call Ninja Barbie. And as my tough Ninja Barbie suit hit the wall, <laughs> <laughs> with me in it, <laughs> I recognized that I needed to be more without the suit. 
And sometimes Ninja Barbie still climbs on me. I can feel it. And that's when deep shame comes and I've got to deal with something and someone is challenging me and I feel overwhelmed and I can feel it's like powering up with the, what do they call those cars that turn into robots? What is that? Oh, the Transformers. Exactly. I transform into Ninja Barbie. (laughs) You know, And, and when I've got that suit on, I'm suffocating. Yeah, I think that's a great way to look at it. Well, I think I've had a Ninja Barbie in the past, definitely. Would have been a Ninja Barbie, come on. Yeah. (laughs) I I spent, I I know you've emigrated to Australia as well, so you maybe resonate with some of this, but I recently shared how for the first, like I've been here 10 years, in the first six years, I was incredibly homesick. I, I would go home to Scotland at least once every six to eight months to the point that I was home one time and someone said, I thought you'd moved to Australia. And I said, I, I have. And they're like, but you're always here. I saw you not long ago. And <laughs> it wasn't until my marriage ended four years ago now. And my initial instinct, like I'm a runner, when I get stressed, I want to run, you know, that flight is in and I'm going. And I was going to take the kids and go to Scotland. And that's what their dad and I had agreed. Anyway, I just wouldn't book the flight. I would not book that flight. So I thought, no, Lena, if you go to Scotland, there's no going back, you know, why don't you put your big girl pants on, stay in Australia, see what happens. Because All my family's over there. I've got no family support around me here. And um, I call that the start of my unraveling because once I became independent and on my own, I suddenly had to be responsible for running the house. I'd left that to my husband before, you know, all the finances and everything. I had to go back to work as a nurse. I had a coaching practice, but I wanted a more, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Secure income. So I, I took a contract back at hospital again and I kind of just started to rediscover who I was it's like all that I call them masks but yeah it's like all the armor started coming off you hit the wall ninja bobby went (laughs) yep (laughs) so yeah definitely the armor came off and yeah four years down the line here I am so but you know what I find every time I think all of the armor's off I find bloody shin guards and elbows (laughs) (laughs) there's a breastplate over the heart still i'm still single that's very much still got armor on it but yeah (laughs) i carried such shame because i was married a few times i've been married four times okay i'm with now i've been with for 13 years i always say oh that makes me feel better but through this 13 i'm a runner too by the way i used to say my train is at the front door if I feel uncomfortable, I go. You never see me again. And I left my first husband and second husband, who was the same man. So I left the first man twice, but I married him twice. So, And then the third husband I left, which is terrible. But this husband, because I was new to Australia, I couldn't go anywhere. So I always said, that's a God-given gift that I couldn't run. My trainers were glued to the floor. Um, <laughs> and it taught me that instead of running, I needed to be the change because I sat with a psychologist and he said to me, I said, 
this is going wrong and this is going wrong. And he said to me, so it sounds to me like you teach people in the corporate space how to set boundaries and give feedback, but you don't do that in your personal life. Bang. Oops. Boom. Ouch. And you know what I did? I set boundaries. Yeah, I think that's one of my biggest lessons too was there was no boundaries. And the minute I set them, yeah, things start to change. Well, mine changed for the better because I learned this. I learned that, man, I love him. Culturally, we're very different. He's British. He's from Sussex. I'm from South Africa. I've been married several times. He was married to none. <laughs> He's younger than me. He is so beautiful and smart and then dry sense of humor, which I have no understanding of. Yeah, my ex-husband's very dry sense of humor, yeah. Now I, I'll give it back to you. So everybody out there, please don't take offense. I hold him accountable. We were on holiday in Canberra and I was sitting with my legs, my one leg under the other. So my leg got numb. Now, by the way, we had the most brilliant weekend. And now I climb out the car, but my one leg's dragging behind the other. And I look up at him, he's six foot two, I'm only five foot. And I go, babe, my leg's dragging behind the other. And I'm laughing. He goes, so you're a Quasimodo. <laughs> I'm a what? God he, bless you. He's mean spirited. I'm your darling wife who you love, who has a numb leg right now. That's a dry sense, a British dry sense of humor right there. And so, but you know, I would never have looked at it like this before. I would have gone, you're just Quasimodo, you're an asshole. Um, you are now all the bad things that have always happened to me in my life versus me going, you called me a what? What am I? That's not kind. <laughs> and have a good laugh. Because this is about learning how to live in our lives. Yeah, and I think the big thing that's been a realisation for me as well is you can't, meet someone and expect them to change you have to meet them where they're at and love them as they are and accept their quirks and their well but i want to change them that's why i love them exactly i will have responses to them this is the interesting i have an emotional reaction to certain things that happen not because of what's actually happening now but because of what my past is telling me is happening yeah it's that subconscious coming into play isn't it and it's telling me this is bad protect yourself and i've got to be able to go hey um i know you're protecting me and i know you're overwhelmed but this is actually as bad as you think it is and of course i'm going to chat through how i feel i think my husband must go sweet god here she comes she's she's coming she's mouth is moving she's now telling me (laughs) um (laughs) But I do it with grace and not from a place of fear, but from a place of love. And that beautifully leads into that quote that I was going to speak about. I can't, I don't have it right in front of me, but. However it comes out, we'll be fine. It's a famous quote of John Lennon's about the two most basic motivating forces in life, how they are love and fear. And when we're in love, we open up and embrace life and all it has to give. And when we're in fear, we withdraw and we judge. And we um, we hide our greatness and our beauty. I'll put the full quote in the show notes. But I use that as one of the handouts in my workshops. I use it in my workshop too. That's really interesting. Can I tell you what happens in a corporate space often? I've written an article 
which I'm happy to flick to you. It's in my dyslexic English. Caveat, asterisks. I can't change some of the bits who I am because then it doesn't sound right. It has to be what I speak. Thank you. I love but, that. So I have a lot of people who, who cross out. They literally cross out the word love in the article and write professionalism slash respect. Really? And I go, why is love such a hard thing to consider as a source of who we are. That's an interesting Very interesting, yeah. Shows how shut down we are from it. It's almost like it gets associated with romantic love and heartbreak and not what love is at its purest form. And love in its purest form, to me, is that deep moment of just being, just, <sighs> I'm right here. Yeah, it's that. I, my tagline is offer yourself the same compassion that you so freely give to others. It's that, you know, having that compassion to yourself. Do you know that's not always easy? Because a lot of us have so much trauma, yet it's necessary. It's not easy, it's necessary. Now, I do believe we need spotters in our lives. And if we can teach our family to be our spotters, that helps. And I'll tell you what I mean by spotter. My daughter's 24, so I'm a grandmother. I'm not yet 50. And she, I was walking the other day and I was saying, look, I'm like a fat little corgi. Well, so <laughs> your dad. And I said a few things and she went, mom, have you heard what you're saying about yourself? That is not kind to Christina. That is unkind to the mother that I love. I'd like you to retell that story. Oh, bless her. Now, she does work with me in my practice, by the way. <laughs> yeah, but that, like you see, she's calling you out. She's it's my spotter. She spots it when I am not compassionate and kind to myself because how can I then show compassion and kindness to you if I'm beating myself so hard? Yeah, that's so true. I can't. Mm. And that is where we regenerate from. That's beautiful. Yeah, it's it's having our own backs and offering ourselves the love first. And that's hard. Oh yeah, it's it's very hard. It's very confronting initially, but it's a worthwhile journey. And I think it encourages us to turn up as the best version of ourselves as well. Because then we can be. Yeah, exactly. It's almost like when you're ninja hours up there's no way to be compassionate to yourself it's too hard you're suffocating so only by being exposed and by looking at yourself with compassion and love can you go where you've got to be i have a thing about 20 second hugs which is so non-coronavirus um yeah <laughs> yeah it's probably more wa than new south wales that's for sure but your family that you live with hug the living daylight out of them yeah but you know what hugging does? Have you seen that brain scan that shows when people are loved? Oh, yeah, and all the oxytocin and all lighting up, yeah. So imagine how much your brain goes into when you go into that state of, state of deep, deep acceptance because a hug, when I take you into my arms and I hold you, not a hug, but a hug. They're two yeah. different. Hug is a different <laughs> hug. It's a but I hold you to me, your body actually goes into the state of I'm loved and accepted. And actually that's love. It's just that deep form of acceptance. 
and grace. And I teach executives how to hug each other, which is really bloody uncomfortable the first time around. By the end of the session, they are hugging it out. Uh, I've not done that with healthcare, uh, uh, doctor CEOs and executives yet, but I've done that in other corporate spaces and they love it. I can't wait to get my hands on some medical tea. <laughs> medical. Do you know what? We Pre-corona, the department I work in, before COVID hit in that, we were quite, we would hug each other when we saw each other at the start of a shift. And give, it wasn't 20 seconds granted, but we were a very close team and we would give each other a hug, but obviously we can't at the moment. Yeah, it does. It just makes for a nice environment as well because you feel like you are accepted and you belong as part of the team. So can I give you another secret? Yes. Belonging is mine. You cannot make me feel belong like I belong. You can allow the space for me, but I need to connect into my own sense of self-worth to belong. Your power-up battery on who you are is not reliant on those outside of you necessarily, but it's actually reliant on how you are, who you are, yeah, and who you see yourself as. That's powerful. I think so. And if that man that put this thing on Facebook, that's mumbo bumbo bullshit. Sorry, it is not. But um, <laughs> it's not scientifically backed, evidence based practice. It is evidence based practices. And I love research. Yeah. Actually, human beings, who we are, is the most fascinating study because not one of us are the same. Yeah, we're all one offs. We are never one- to be repeated. We are unique. Even if your child, my son is like my carbon copy, but he's not my carbon copy. Yeah. Um, my grandson is my carbon copy, but he's not my carbon copy. <laughs> you know, we, we show up maybe on the outside looking the same, but who we are is based on our walk. And we're continuously changing as well. Aren't we just? And I read something recently on, it's been going around on Facebook, I think, and it's about how a different version of you exists in everyone's mind. And I was like, whoa, that's that's, true. It's powerful. It's it's so true. But yeah, we're interpreted as different people by everyone we meet. um, Based on their lens. Yeah. You know what I found? We, we spoke about this earlier. When I make space for someone and I'm peaceful, if I leave anything with them that I have a choice to leave, it's presence. Yeah, that's beautiful. I will say this to you. People that are going through a lot of trauma and are used to ninja barbies find peace like a ray of sunshine in the morning after you've had too much to drink. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's a good way of looking at it. Yeah, I think I think most people can probably associate with that. Yes, because it's confronting because it's vulnerable. It's confronting because it's it's exposed. It's confronting because it's not the way you were taught to show up that was okay. Yeah, we're taught to offer opinions and try and fix things rather than just hold that space for someone. That's been my biggest lesson over the last two years as a coach. I used to do my coaching because I wanted to see a dramatic change in people. And I can 
coach them, but it's their choice to step into the change or the growth for themselves. Some of the stuff we sometimes talk about when we do coaching triggers stuff for them, which means instead of going forwards, they go backwards to then go forwards. Um, and I used to say, I used to hold, I used to beat myself up if it wasn't, if we weren't getting where we needed to go straight away. But that's not my job. My job isn't to fix them. My job is to stand next to them while they find their growth for themselves. Yeah, meet them where they're at. I always speak about having a non-negotiable in your self-care. What would be your non-negotiable? I know, my non-negotiable, I have a boudoir. I love it, so do I. (laughs) (laughs) The kids are banned. It's my serenity. (laughs) It's like, I, when moved out we still have a spare room so we've got a four-bedroom house I turned the room opposite our bedroom into a boudoir and I put light curtains like like sheen curtains I got a tree of life I got a a, a, a day bed I got fluffy pillows I got a fluffy carpets for the, I got a French dresser I got a jewelry cabinet with a full-length mirror and I put so it, I've turned it into my my place of presence in the morning I love it and that to me is my space, actually. So shall I take you through my routine? Because I'm a weird woman. Yeah, go uh, for it. I'd love to. Uh, the cat's not licking my eyeballs at 3.30 in the morning, which my little kitty does. He's so naughty. I call him Franklin Roosevelt. Um, then I only will probably get up at about 5.30. My husband is an early riser. Um, and then what I do find is I'll go and have a shower and then I walk through into my boudoir. And I have got my phone with me and then I will put on something that I want to watch that the family generally cringe and I put my earbuds in and I will now at that stage, I've already laid my clothes out for the day. The stuff that I feel are going to reflect my presence best for the day because I like dressing nicely. I'm not a fancy dresser, but I like feeling my essence. Five bags of clothes out the other day. I'm impressed. I needed to, otherwise I wasn't allowed to buy anything else. Like. Did you go all Marie Kondo on your wardrobe? It was very soothing, actually, because I've got stuff there from 13 years ago that was time to say goodbye to me. I did the same when I moved house last year, and all those special dresses and all those things you've bought, and you think, oh, I might wear it again. No, you're never going to wear it again. <laughs> Give it to someone who will graciously embrace it. Exactly. So anyway, and then I do my makeup. And then I put my perfume on and I've got a routine. <clears throat> By that stage, my husband's kind of hovering at the door going, can I get breakfast ready for you? Because he likes doing that. Uh, but what he does do to remind me I'm his wife. So for all of you out there, have a good giggle. He will put the laundry baskets in my boudoir in the middle of the floor. For you to put the laundry on? To, no, this is once it's cleaned. It oh, okay. It's clean laundry. And I always laugh. I go, why do you put that in the spare room? He goes, I put it here so you can see it. <laughs> <laughs> to remind you to remind you that this space is not just for you <laughs> i know that space is just for me yeah and that self-care routine that i've put in place i put it in place three years ago because i got to a stage where i was and not looking after me and i called time out I think I called it so harshly, I gave John the biggest fright of his life. He actually asked me if I was moving out into the other room. Oh, bless him. I don't know. I'm still sleeping in our room, but I need a space for my presence. Um, so I, I do that, and even when I travel, 
in the mornings, I don't want to be rushed. I want to pace my morning out. I want to be in tune with my morning. I want to know how I'm feeling. I want to release the things that I might be anxious about. I want to do that before I step into my day. Yeah. Yeah. That's powerful. And I like to do that when I can. I do co-parenting. The weeks that I'm on my own, (laughs) I can do this. But like this week when the kids are here, the mornings are frantic. My, um, yeah, trying to get. I totally know how that is. I I get it. Um, When your son turns 16 and starts owning his whole life, man is your world different um yeah. what is it maggie dent says raising a boy is like the longest breakup ever because they just slowly drift away from you they just and i can feel it happening and he was my little partner in crime yeah i see it as well because i've got one's 12 and one's eight and the eight-year-old he's still like comes running out of school and gives me a big hug and you know he's so happy to see me whereas the old one he is happy to see me but he's just kind of like hi mom you know don't embarrass me he's lost that kind of worst thing i can do with josh he is he's lost a lot of weight he's almost six foot tall now he's turned he's got a big beard he's only 16 but he's, you know, he's got African and Scottish genetics. What can you expect? He's a man. Mm-hmm. And I was like, can I hug you? He goes, uh, no. Please, I just need a 20-second hug. He goes, you should have asked at home. Oh, <laughs> bless him. So you will, but just not in public. Well, yes. I mean, if he's in a good, good mood, I'll be lucky. Uh, but I also have to respect his boundaries. Yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? Cause, or else we're doing it for us and not for them. Exactly, and I struggle to recognize my children had boundaries because my parents never allowed us to think we had boundaries. And the more I explore this and my son teaches me, he teaches me, he's the most beautiful teacher, goodness, the universe could not have sent me be more beautiful children to be my teachers. They are amazing teachers, aren't they? Aren't they just, especially if you see them and listen to them. Yeah. They teach you what you don't want to see if you're willing to hear. Yeah. I know my two have certainly taught me a lot. And I also love how the little one, he's still got that sense of wonder and amazement at the world. You know, and he reminds me that there's a little girl still inside me that used to think like that too. And it's important to let her out every once in a while. And be who who I am before the world told me who I should be. I do like that. Yeah. I have a journal that I've started last year. And the journal is called Remember Who You Are. Beautiful. And I just put weird shit in there, like words or thoughts or post a picture. Or, and I wrote my unicorn book after I started journaling. So I've written an Oscar book, which is, these are human stories. And I've written a unicorn book, which is about allowing us to bring what we have and that our belonging is birthed from inside and then it releases our gifts to the world. That's very cool. I love that. Very cool. Yeah. I 
happy to you off today. <laughs> it's been an awesome conversation. I've loved chatting to you. I've loved chatting to you too. I feel like you are doing such a marvellous job. And I'm sorry that you're so far away from Sydney. I will look you up once the border opens and I can head over east again. It's um, Yeah, we're living in a strange time, but we all just have to do what we have to do. Well, being virtually connected is easier said now than done because we can do it. We can do it. We can see each other. We can connect. We can be connected. Exactly. Yeah. It's not like we're completely cut off. When we were trying to do virtual dating 13 years ago when I met my husband uh, and we used to have to wait for the phone to, oh, it was just a nightmare to be honest, to do virtual dating. You couldn't even see each other. It was just voice calls. Oh, wow. And were you in South Africa and he was? Canada when we met each other. I know. And he was still in his 20s and I was in my 30s. And I made a joke with him. I said, could you imagine if the two of us ever were married? They call you a granny grabber. And he went, are you for real? (laughs) Is it not a cougar? Is that not what you get called? (laughs) Well, I'm only four years older than him. Um, But it was just, it's yeah, he's been my great love. Oh, that's beautiful. Uh, So much so that even when I'm so frustrated, the moments I lie in bed and hold his hand are my best moments at night. Oh, that's gorgeous, Christina. His best moments are when he thumps me in in the ribs because I'm snoring. (laughs) (laughs) Now that's love. (laughs) Man, that's love. You must really love me. Yeah. Conversation has been good for everybody out there. Yeah, so do I. And where can the listeners find you if they want to look you up and find out some more? I'm on any channel that I can okay. <laughs> Just uh, at Christina Foxwell. Christina Foxwell um, on Facebook, uh, on LinkedIn, Christina Foxwell. If they want to find me on Instagram, it's Tina underscore Foxwell. Pinterest is Ignite Purpose. But if they just go on my www.ignitepurpose.com.au, they'll find all my links. Okay. And we'll pop them all in the show notes as well. Thank you so much. No worries. Pleasure to meet you. Yeah, it's such a pleasure to meet you too and have such an awesome chat. Thank you for coming on the show. You know what? My pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Happy Nurse Podcast. If you've enjoyed today's content and would like to join the Happy Nurse community, head over to Facebook and check out the Happy Nurse AU Facebook page and request to join the Happy Nurse community. Also, check out happynurse.com.au for access to free downloads and subscription to my blog. See you soon. And in the meantime, remember to always offer yourself the same compassion that you so freely give to others. I'm excited to share with you all that I've contributed a chapter to the newly published Anxiety Relief Handbook. The handbook provides a unique window into 11 highly effective complementary therapies for you to sample on your quest to ease anxiety. The ebook is available on my website, happynurse.com.au forward slash anxiety relief handbook.